in uh, underdogs, I want to talk about a young guy by the name of Josiah. Uh, when, when I think of underdogs, I think of two different kinds of people. I think of people who, who had incredibly difficult circumstances and rose above them, or somebody that came out of nowhere and you didn't see it happen. I mean, it's kind of like whether you, whether, you like the, uh, whether you like the Patriots or not, you look at Tom Brady and how he wound up coming from the 199th person selected in a draft to becoming a, a seven-time Pro Bowl, a seven-time Super Bowl champion. It's just kind of fascinating how that happens. Well, we Americans love a good underdog story. Going all the way back to our Revolutionary War, we love underdogs. Now, once that underdog wins and they keep winning, then we pull for another underdog to beat the person that keeps winning. But this is the story of underdogs. I mean, it's kind of like, you remember the story of Soul Surfer? You know, when Bethany Hamilton, she had the, her arm taken off by a shark in the ocean, and then she came back and became a world champion surfer. I mean, my family knows this story well. Samantha, our youngest daughter, did her book report on this book for like five straight years. Well, let me change that. Jenny did Samantha's book report five straight years. And you would think after five years that Jen would have gotten an A on this, but she stayed in that B category. I don't know what was going on there, but Sam, way to go with the soul surfer girl. But seriously, here's a girl that beat all kinds of obstacles. And I think in, in, in our world, if you just look at the text, you look at the scripture, uh, over in the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse four, it speaks about how we overcome and stay the course in this Christian life. Listen to what the text says. Whatever was written before was written for our instruction so that through our endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Now this series takes a look at ordinary people that God does extraordinary things with. These ordinary people all have one story, that God stepped into their ordinary life and did an extraordinary work through them, resulting in an amazing story of an underdog. Last week, we talked about Gideon and how he and 300 men, with the help of God and the direction of God and the will of God, took out 137,000 warriors. Well, today we talk about an eight-year-old boy by the name of Josiah. Now, if you have parented a third grader or are parenting a third grader, just raise your hand. If you've already done it once or still are, raise your hand. Okay, so imagine your third grader coming to power as the president of the United States in third grade. I, when I think about all six of ours doing that, can you imagine your kid having the nuclear button at their disposal? Well, do you know what she said about me? Bam, right? I can't, my teacher doesn't like me. Bam. I mean, we would have nuked the world over and over again. I'm so glad that's not the way it works. But when you start, start, take a look at this young guy by the name of Josiah, whose times thrust him into a role that he could have never been prepared for, we, we prove that there are times that God indeed does give us more than we can handle. I've heard people trying to console other people a lot by saying, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. Well, you know, that, that's not a biblical view. There are times God indeed gives you more than you can handle. And I would imagine everybody here at some point, maybe even right now, you're trying to deal with things that you just can't handle. And, and the truth is the reason the Lord allows that to happen in our lives is to get our attention. About the time the Lord gives you more than you can handle and you're thinking to yourself, where do I go from here? The Lord tries to give us this perspective. It's like a spotlight shining down on us in the corner while we're kind of sulking. And it's like, yoo-hoo, do I have your attention yet? And you know, oftentimes we go through the rest of our life and, and we don't think 
that he's got that. The story of Josiah is remarkable on a number of levels, and most of them happen in 2 Chronicles, starting in verse chapter 34, verse 1. Now, in this text, in 2 Chronicles, it tells us the story of this eight-year-old boy. And in verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right during the eighth year of his reign while he was still young. Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then in the 12th year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal be demolished and that the incense altars, which would stand above them, be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols, and the cast images were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Now, uh, you might be like me and you say, what in the world is an Asherah pole? Well, I want you to imagine that these people that chose not to follow God, their creator, but created their own idols. Sometimes they were cast like, like bronze. And then other times they were built out of wood, but they all kind of directed to this one false God that we know over and over again in the Old Testament of, as, as Baal, B-A-A-L. And, and we know that Josiah lived in a world where the entire country had turned their back on God and had chosen to worship false idols, starting with the carved and the cast idols of Baal. And then above them, they had these incense holders that constantly had this belief that part of your worship was a fragrance that you offered up to this thing, this stone or this cast iron thing or this, anything like that, that you could just have the smell that they would offer. And then around them, they had like Baal Juniors. That was an Asher pole because anybody could build an Asher pole. It was, think of this as a smaller kind of totem pole and usually it was wood and it was carved and it was a picture of whoever God they wanted it to be. I mean, it's, 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 it's not unlike a Hindu perspective that would say, you know, I want a God that provides money for me. So I pick something and I say, well, this is the God of affluence. I'll never forget when Jenny and I went through a temple years ago and uh, we went under this one area and our little guide said, you're standing under the God of affluence. And I looked at Jen and she looked at me and said, no wonder this doesn't work. It's not happening. And then Jen asked him, they have these doors, these cages that were locked up. So Jenny said, what's going on with the cages? They said, well, all of our gods are resting. She said, your gods take a nap? And he said, no, 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 no. She said, well, why are they locked? Is that to keep us out or to keep them in? And they said, no, they're, they're just resting. Think of Asherah poles like that. Like pick something and that's what you're gonna, that you're gonna worship. A teal chair with a coffee cup. I got it, I'm all in. And we just turn that into our, into our, our idol. And you say, well, we don't do those kind of foolish things today. Well, sure we do. We, we, we turn our gym into an idol or we turn our 401k into an idol or we turn our car into an idol or you get the idea. I mean, the fact is this was an entire nation that had turned their back on God. 
And Josiah, in the middle of this, it says that in his eighth year, so now he's 16, he's gone full force and he's gotten rid across the country of every idol. And in the midst of this, I want you to know that at 16, he's doing the most remarkable work. I want you to take a, a sneak peek behind his personal life, the real world of Josiah, because the real world of Josiah is a mess. His political scene that he's inherited is a disaster. And the reason it's a disaster is Josiah's grandfather, is, his name is Manasseh. Manasseh was the king of Judah. Now, for you to understand how important it is about these kings, the entire nation of Israel had 12 tribes and 10 of those tribes chose to live in the northern part of the region. And while they lived in the northern part of the region, they entirely chose to, to go away from God. I, I told you last week, the entire story of the people of Israel throughout all the Old Testament is, we're down here and things are bad, we need God so things get good, God provides for us so we count on ourselves, then we're in trouble and we count on God. It's a roller coaster ride nonstop, which by the way, is the same picture of our lives today. We're not much different than the people of Israel are today. When things are good, it's like, man, yeah, I got it made. Then when things go south, I show up for church and I need God. I, I, this happens in marriages. This, this happens in families. We see it all the time. Things get good and I don't need God anymore. Look what I've done. It's no different than what he inherited in his political life. But I also want you to know, if your granddaddy is Manasseh, then what you know is this, that he was a vile, ruthless king. He was a king that took some of his own children and burnt them at the stake as an offering to a false God. He was somebody who said, if you're going to worship, worship me. He was an absolute tyrant. He would make Adolf Hitler look like a nice guy. This was a awful human being. Blood would run bridal deep. Now watch this. You would think that after that generation, that Manasseh's son would be better. But his son, Amon, was even worse. He was so bad that in his second year of reign in the, in the land of Judah, the southern part of the region where two of the tribes came together, you would think there, this is what would happen, that they would say, we don't want any more of that. We wanna have a righteous king. We want a king that will lead us out of grace and love. But no, Amon was even worse. He did far worse things than his, his dad did. And in his second year, the servants that were there to serve him plotted and indeed took his own life. They took Amon out and that left one person in the bloodline to change the course of history. And that became an eight-year-old Josiah. Now you would think that this is a bad situation and indeed it was. Because you see, in the northern part of the region with everybody turning their back on God, and then in the southern region, everyone turning their back to God, the southern region being Judah, and all of a sudden, God says in the northern region and the southern region, he says, your judgment from me to you for turning your back on me, I'm gonna get your attention, and I'm gonna have this Assyrian king that's worse than Manasseh and worse than Ammon put together. He's gonna come in with his troops and wipe you out. He's gonna wipe all of you out. And in the northern region, those 10 tribes were no longer, they're gone. And in the southern region, the hope is pinned on an eight year old boy. The son of Ammon, a ruthless dictator, the grandson of Manasseh, a horrible dictator. 
during this time that all this was happening with Manasseh and with his son, Amon, through all of this disaster, the prophetic voices of Micah and Zephaniah and Jeremiah and Habakkuk all took place in Judah, but nobody paid attention. Nobody was able to say, I want to turn my life to God. I want to turn this around. It was more a sense of, you know what? Every man for himself, every woman for themselves, every kid for themselves, but we're just going to turn away from the things of God. You know what I've discovered? That following the will of God not only is not difficult to understand, but it is a more simple path than it is to pass through without the will of God. The price that these folks paid was death. And they still said, but it, I got this. You might be here today and you say, you know what, Chuck, I, I'm doing fine. I don't really need this. I, I don't need God. You know, the picture of Josiah was he came to control in a country that was in desperate need of God. But did you know that he took control of a country that God had given a free will to? God had said to those people, as he says to you right now, you have a free will. You can choose to love me and obey me, or you can choose to go the other way. I want you to imagine that God's will is a straight path like a compass needle pointing north, and it's going straight ahead. And for those of you that don't read compasses well, no, north is not whichever way you're pointed, all right? So you point toward the Lord, and in the midst of all that, what you're gonna say is, I'm gonna stay the course. I'm going to follow in the direction of, of God. And you say, well, Chuck, how do I do that? What is practical? Well, I, I, wanna, I wanna teach you a few things from Josiah's life, not Josiah's life, not just the real world of Josiah, but his personal world. I mean, think about it. Maybe you, Maybe you somewhere in your life, you were abused. Maybe verbally, maybe physically, maybe sexually. Maybe somewhere in your life, you, you, you've got more daddy issues than you could ever contemplate. Maybe with, with your mom and your past or your grandfolks, maybe there's addiction that is strong in your family. Maybe there's a sense of godlessness in your family. And along the way, somebody has to break that curse. Somebody has to say, but wait a minute, there's another way. What if you're that person? What if it's your generation, no matter how old you are, no matter, no matter how much you love God, what if the call is for you to break that curse in your family? I, I've told you before, my granddaddy, who I love to death, my pop, he was a racist. He was a bigot. He worked on the George Wallace campaign. He threw the N-word around like it was nobody's business. And you know what? There had to be a correction there. There had to be somebody in our line of family say, no, that's not right. And along the way, my dad said to my granddad, no, we're stopping it here. And you know what? It didn't come through. That curse was broken in my family and I praise God for it. But in your family, whatever it is that you've got to overcome, Josiah can teach you what that is like. He had everything stacked against him. His pedigree was from evil people. His family were evil people. Not only was his spiritual heritage a disaster, but his familial heritage was a disaster. He had no godly model to follow in his immediate family. He faced an unpredictable and volatile political climate in his world. His nation was spinning out of control, headed for the judgment of God. What possibly could a child make? How, how could he do anything to make a difference? He's a kid. He's an eight-year-old kid. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't know what he could do, but I know God couldn't use me. I know God couldn't use me. Chuck, if you only knew what I've done in my life, God couldn't use me. Chuck, if you only knew my past, 
I, I'm still wrestling with, with the ghosts of my past. I, I've been abused and I've, 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 I've been tortured. I, I've got this thing that's in the path and I, I can't get over it, Chuck. But the church hurt me at one time and I, I'm never gonna surrender to God again. Chuck, I can't get over it. Well, the Bible teaches that before Josiah's death in, his, in battle at age 39, this young dude would be used by God to lead his nation in one of the greatest revivals in human history. Just an unlikely kid, an underdog, weak by every standard of this world, and to which he came with extraordinary obstacles in his life. But this kid became the one that guided his nation back to God. How did he do it? He did it with one simple, obvious answer that everyone who is a believer in Jesus, a Christian, in this room and online knows, yet so very few of us take seriously. It is so plain, so straightforward, that you might be tempted to dismiss it. But I wanna tell you, third graders to 93 year olds, it was the secret to Josiah's influence. What am I talking about? I want you to see Josiah chose a wholehearted devotion to God. Now, I, I want you to get this, I wanna be more specific. By wholehearted, I mean the opposite of half-hearted. Haven't we all had something we did that was just kind of half-hearted? We weren't all in it, and as a result, we kind of halfway did it, and we look back on it and say, you know, that's fake. I shouldn't have stepped into that, and I shouldn't have done that. And You ever been there? Where you took something on, you weren't really all about it, but you just kind of halfway did it. You know, the sad thing is we have to look at the mirror and say, why would I do anything halfway? Josiah had the opportunity here, and he chose wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Way far too often we drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience, but we call it freedom. We lose our self-control and we call it relaxation. We slouch toward a life without prayer and delude ourselves into thinking we've escaped legalism. We slide toward godliness and as we slide there toward this godless thought and action, we convince ourselves we're liberated. And we fill our mind with trendy political and modern culture talk without getting scripture into our lives and we call it awareness. How many times have you heard this on a podcast or a radio show or on a television show or read in a book? It's so popular today to be fully aware. Mm. I mean, I'm all about meditation, guys. Listen, I record five meditations a week for you, but listen, if meditation doesn't focus your heart, your mind, and soul on your creator, it is no more than just a quiet time to think. Amen. This is about connecting you to the creator of the universe. We, we are not liberated from godliness, godlessness. We are liberated in, his, in our wake, walk of faith with him. You see, the cheap version of Christianity is foreign to what made Josiah a hero and a victorious underdog. He held nothing back. His faith was genuine, it wasn't pretending. It was fervent, it wasn't tepid. It was complete, not partial. He, his wholeheartedness toward God is single-minded in its pursuit with no reservations, no compromise, no excuses. What else made this young kid an underdog? Something that we've all got to grasp. Not just Josiah's wholehearted devotion to God, but Josiah's understanding of the great commandment. Now you say, okay, Chuck, wait a minute, I got you on that. This book, 2 Chronicles, is an Old Testament book, but we don't know about the great commandment until Matthew 22. Well, let me just stop and say to you, did you know that while Josiah started putting the temple back together, 
Part of what he found in the ruins were the writings from Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible, fifth book in the Old Testament, and in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter six, verse five, listen to what that text says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You say, so wait a minute, you're telling me Jesus, when a guy tried to trick him into what was the most important law, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy exactly. Why do I know that? Because Jesus came to fulfill the law and he did that by teaching us and knowing that we are here to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and to love others as we're to love ourselves. That's the great commandment. Here this kid is at, in his youth and he understood this picture. Wholehearted devotion included the understanding of the great commandment. Now, now watch right here. When you say, Chuck, here's the part I don't understand. How is it that you actually go about the task of loving God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul? Okay, now watch, this. this is so ridiculously simple, but I don't want you to leave here without it. When we say yes, and we say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Forgive me, take over my life. I want you to be my Lord and my savior. I'm grateful and thank you that you died for me and rose from the dead for me. I, 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 I wanna turn around, I wanna live for you. When we're seriously doing that, we ask Christ to come in our life, watch this. There's three parts of God, God the Father, creator and sustainer, God the Son, Jesus our Savior, God the Holy Spirit, our keeper. So when we ask Jesus to come into our life, what he does is he gives us his gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, lives within us. And you say, well then how do I know that I'm walking God's way and living wholeheartedly for the Lord God? Watch this, if you've asked Christ to come into your life, the Holy Spirit, as you go about your day, will tell you nonstop which way to walk, how to walk, how to talk, and how to act, and what your attitudes are. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't think that the Holy Spirit's ever told me anything. Now that tells me one of two things about everybody in the room. Let's say you're a person say, I've never asked, I've never heard the Holy Spirit give me any direction. Then I would say to you, then maybe today is the day you say, Jesus, would you come into my life? And you call on his name and receive his gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the second one could be, you know, Chuck, I haven't heard the Holy Spirit. That's never happened in my life. And I would say, then would you stop talking and listen? Would you stop talking and just listen? because he's constantly talking to you. Uh, there have been times in my life where I've just immediately said something and I'd give anything if I could reel it back in. And you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to me? Chuck, I tried to warn you, you went right past me. I have done things, I have bought things, I have said stuff that I wish I could reel back in. And the whole time I'm choosing to jump over the Holy Spirit's warning and say, but I'm gonna do it my way. Wholehearted devotion to Christ is this one thing, I surrender my will to the will of the Spirit as he directs me and guides me. But I have to have the Spirit to be able to know that. Are you with me? At that point at 9.30, they clapped. I even told them the 11 o'clock is more active than y'all and you're dead as a hammer. Listen, it's too late, it's too late. Listen. He understood the great commandment. He, how would he do that as a boy? Well, listen to the summarization of Josiah's 31 year reign from 2 Kings chapter 23. Before him, speaking of Josiah, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his mind, with all his heart, 
and with all his strength, according to all the law of Moses. And no one like him arose after him. Is this a great testimony? Wouldn't you want that said of your life? Wouldn't you want to be able to say, there was nobody else quite like them when they went on? You know what, I, I, I would hate to think that, that, that when I was gone from this place, it would be, well, you know, he grew a pretty big church. What a horrible thing to be known for. How cool would it be though that people said of your life, now that guy walked with God, now that lady, she walked with God, now that student, they, they knew God. Of all the things that you could get an accolade for, the one that I want you to say I want most is like Josiah said, I want a wholehearted devotion to God. And where do I start? I, I start by following his direction. It's like if you're holding that compass and the needle points directly ahead, don't let your head, your heart, or your soul take the left or the right. Stay on the course. Stay on the beam. Stay that direction. Josiah chose wholehearted devotion to God. I want to make one other connection that holds out to us an awesome promise. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, listen to what the scripture says. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. I can't read or hear that verse without having this longing, deep desire rise up within me. I want to be that kind of leader. I want to be that kind of friend. I want to be that kind of husband. I want to be that kind of daddy. Listen to me, friend. The Lord tracks our motives. He sifts our attitudes. He scrutinizes our hearts. Even now, Josiah's lesson to you and me is this. You can do this. You and the power of God can change your world if you were to put God in the proper seat of your life. You say, but Chuck, you don't know what I'm having to overcome. I don't know. But I can tell you this, as long as you think that problem is bigger than your God, you're gonna stay there. But God's bigger than that problem. He's bigger than you've lost everything that you owned. He's bigger than a death in your family. He's bigger than the divorce you went through. He's bigger than everything and every addiction. And if you'll choose to be wholehearted, he'll say, come on, let's do this. But why not surrender? I mean, honestly, he made it so simple for us. He said, you could call on him and he would answer. He's walking through the seats and the aisles of this room. When I think of surrender, Here's, here's how I see it. I mean, it's just so simple. I imagine God standing there looking at me like, here we go again. Chuck, I've told you this over and over again. I gave you my Holy Spirit. He warned you. You went right, you went left. All you had to do was stay the course, Chuck. But you know what? Here we are again. And I'm like, I know, you know. And then I get all mopey and it's like, Lord, I'm sorry. I knew better. And he says, come on. And then I just take running. I don't run as fast as I once did, but I take running. And you know what, I, I leave about, well, I used to say five feet ahead of him, but now it's like a foot and a half in front of him and I, I leap. And I think to myself in the air, man, I hope he gets me. And when I land, he's got his big arms around me and I'm as sound and as secure as I can be. And he wraps me up and he, he whispers in my ear, Chuck, I wanna give you peace. I want to give you power. I wanna give you a direction for your life. And Chuck, I love you. I don't care how far right or how far left you've gone, get back on the beam, I love you. Listen, friend, no matter what's going on in your life, like Josiah, God welcomes you and says, come on, take a leap, jump to me, I'll catch you, I'll hold you. Josiah had everything that could have possibly been wrong in his life. 
whatever it is that you are a product of, it is not bigger than what God wants you to become. Whatever that hurdle seems to be, it is not high enough to distract God from overcoming it for you. Whatever that heartache is that you're holding on to, surrender it and lay it down and let him carry you. Whatever it is that you're fighting, find this simple goal. Josiah set his eyes on a simple goal, a life pleasing to God. In verse two, it said, he did what was right in the Lord's sight. Not everybody else's, not what everybody thought he would be. Verse three tells us that as he grew older, his devotion to the Lord increased so that it was obvious to those around him. I wonder in our life, how obvious is our life in God? His determination to chase after and worship God was totally marked in his public life, and his private life. And what he put in order in his private life became his public life. It took six years to take away all of the false crutches that people were looking to. I mean, whatever the crutch is that you're leaning on, just like this Josiah, God wants to say to you, throw that thing away. I've got a stepladder I want you to use and I'm gonna walk you over that problem. I'm gonna get you on the other side of that. Stop leaning on that crutch. But Chuck, you don't know what I've been through. I know this, whatever it is, God's already conquered it. If he conquered death, if he conquered the grave and he did all that for you, whatever it is you're hanging on to, let it go. But Chuck, she hurt me so bad. Chuck, he hurt me so bad. And God said, come on, take a flying leap and I'm gonna catch you if you just lay it down. Just lay it down, just come to me. And at every stage of Josiah's life, from his elementary years into high school and into young adulthood, Josiah pursued and the simple goal never faltered. He developed the habits that would secure his goal. Habits that became part of our daily routines, things that are practical, things that are powerful. You know, you know why we do this five minute a day, five day a week, weekday podcast? Because of what Zach read in scripture earlier, that God's word that gets into our soul, no matter how you do it, reading or hearing it, watching it, however you get that scripture in, it will always accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And it will always, never, ever, ever return void. We want you to get scripture in you. Listen, you say, well, I don't have five minutes. You're driving somewhere five minutes. You say, well, Chuck, I, 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 this prayer thing, I just can't do. You know why we record a weekday meditation? So that we can guide you through the steps of prayer so simply that you take five more minutes and you just get alone with God. If you say, Chuck, I've never heard from the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna give you two thoughts, ready? Surrender him so you can, or two, hush and listen. Well, Chuck, that, that's easy to say, but it's not, it's not so easy to do because I, I need something to keep me on target. You know why we, we did these power routines? So you could start your day with gratitude and connect with God. So you could get scripture into your soul. So you could write down and remember what God has done for you, how he's torn down the Asher poles in your life and then how to pray. Why would we do all that? Because honestly, I believe if you'll get spiritual routines in your life, God will bless you richly and your life will be radically changed for the rest of your life. And this is about whether you believe God or not. So I don't, I have no idea what we're selling these for in the store today. I would just tell you, would you be willing to take one week? Just pick one, take it for free. If you don't have five bucks, take it for free. If you only got two bucks, leave two bucks. If you, whatever it is, get started, but get the word of God in you. 
meditation, power routines, all of these things, all three of these resources are designed for you to live as Josiah did, faithfully, faith-filled, and faith-focused. Josiah supported the goal of holy habits, and he walked that way as the ancestor of David. Listen, you remember who David was? David that killed Goliath, David that killed the bear, David that killed the lion, David that was King David, and yes, David that messed up in sin and his moral life, and yet he, he became the man after God's own heart. You know what Josiah said? I want to become the man after God's own heart. Josiah wove specific habits into the rhythm of his days that kept him on a path of holiness and tuned his heart to the Lord. The ways of David became his ways. His private life was strengthened by those holy habits. It was seen in the copy of Deuteronomy as the temple was being repaired. As he started doing the will of God, the word of God came alive. Listen to me, if you need the word of God to come alive, take two or three steps in the direction of the will of God. And again, I'm gonna go back to this. Chuck, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Then stop overcomplicating this. Think of it in this way, you ready? What do I think in the very next decision I make, God would want me to do? You say, well, it can't be that simple. Yeah, it is. Don't complicate this. God is saying to you, it's pretty simple to know what the next step is. Now, it may not be the step you wanna make, it may not be the most popular step, but he'll say, here is the step, walk that way. Proverbs chapter four, verse 25 speaks of this kind of resolve. It's, it says, carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left, keep your feet away from evil. There is a simplicity to the life of the godly. All through the Bible, the way of righteousness is straight ahead, straight toward God not away from him, not detouring away from him. Are there any Josiahs in the house who will make this our goal this week? God, that I might please you in how I respond to my family, in my attitudes, in my private actions, in my relationships, I'm yours, Lord. So be glorified by what I do and what I think. And Lord, I wanna please you. Anybody up for that? Because I'll promise you, this is the way of peace and power and direction and holiness. And you say, well, Chuck, I, if you knew where I work, you wouldn't think anybody could be holy. I guarantee you, you didn't come to a workplace any worse than Josiah did as an eight-year-old boy. He just chose to walk in the goodness and the grandeur of God. Here's my promise to you. Actually, I, I'm simply extending God's promise to you. If you will seek to live, love, and lead more like Jesus the Lord, he'll bless you and enrich your life so that you will be blessed and he will be glorified. You can be God's friend. You can have and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul because he's for you. You say, Chuck, I, I just don't think I can do it. Well, like Josiah, will you start right where you are? Whatever mess you're in, you start right where you're at. Maybe you need Jesus to settle and stay in your life today. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years, but you've been so far off to the right or the left, you need a map to get back to God's way. Either way, will you take up your cross and lay down 15 minutes every day to build these spiritual disciplines in your life, to get the scripture in you, to have a life start, starting with gratitude, to be before the Lord in prayer, and to capture what the Lord is telling you to do. Because the way Josiah became a man that changed his nation, it didn't come because of his role. It became the way because of his God. If you don't believe you can change the nature of this country, start with your own personal life and watch what God can do. You say, well, Chuck, have you seen the news lately? 
Have you seen what's going on in the world lately? Boy, I sure have. Is it, is it not a messed up world? It feels just like the kind of world that Josiah stepped into. It feels just like the kind of world that somebody completely sold out to Christ would be so directed with their heart for God that they wouldn't have time to go to the right or left and chase all of the monkeys, but they'd simply be straight ahead to say, God, I'm gonna live for you. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna act like you. I'm gonna talk like you. And Lord, I'm gonna let you bless me richly. And as you do, Lord, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna use me to change the world around me. You say, Chuck, I, 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 don't, I don't wanna change the world. I just wanna be invisible. Friend, listen to me. When you walk with God, you might feel invisible, but you're not. You might occasionally feel alone, but you're not. This is a God that would never, ever leave you, that would never, ever forsake you, and will bless you richly when you choose to walk in his path. The question is, given the nature of your free will, will you step over the Holy Spirit's desire for your life and say, I think I got this. I, I, I don't have to worry about it. I, I got my own Asherah poles. I got my own incense. I got bales, and then when everything falls apart, you're going to wait till then to turn around and one back to God. And I want to encourage you, friend, don't wait then. Run to God right now. Take a flying leap into his arms. Let your holy father grab you and hold you and let him speak truth into your life so that you can walk in the way of David, Josiah, and Jesus, because that's his will for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, today you have chosen to do a great work in many people's lives. God, I couldn't believe how many folks at 930 that said, yeah, that's me. So, Lord, we want to trust you in this time that you would do what only you can do and direct our hearts and our minds to be focused on you. And here today, friend, if you're sitting here watching online and you say, well, Chuck, I, I can't I can't walk with Christ because I don't have Christ in me. I can't hear the Holy Spirit because I've never invited him into my life. Isn't it beautiful that God loves you so much he lets you choose? And maybe today, this would be the day that you would say, Chuck, I want Christ into my life. Maybe for the first time, or maybe I just wanna get this settled so that I can get back on the beam. But Chuck, I wanna live for Christ this week. I, I wanna walk in his way. Just let me know by raising your hand. Let me see who you are. Amen, 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 amen. So Lord, you've heard your people. God, they've heard your word. I know it never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. So God, would you draw us into this narrow way that we might walk with you, that we might tangibly, in the most real way, sense and know that you are directing our lives and we like Josiah are walking in obedience with you this week. Cause us to build holy habits into our life. Habits that start with gratitude. Lord, we're grateful for you, for all that you do, for all that you've done and all that you're yet to do. That we might get your word into our life knowing that it's a two-edged sword and it cuts deeper than marrow and does this great work in our life even when we don't understand it all. Lord, that we might capture and remember all that you've done. And Lord, that we might pray and step into your holy room and talk with you and hush and listen to your direction for our life. And Lord, according to your promises, would you bless those folks who do this this week? Would you tear down their Asherah poles and would you tear down their idols and would they return to you with a beauty 
and a glory of walking in your will and in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend today, I, I wish I could tell you how powerful building a routine in your life that has God-centric items to it is in your life. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like love. I, you, nobody can really describe it well. Uh, Jen, I love you with all my heart. But you know, it's, you know it when I, I wanna spend every time with her. I, I, wanna, I wanna have everything. I love my wife. If I love the Lord my God, I can't wait to spend time with him. I can't wait to say, God, I'm so grateful. I can't wait to say, God, teach me. I can't wait to write down what God, what you've done in my life. And I can't wait to hush and say, God, would you give me peace and power and direction in my life? And you say, Chuck, I've never had that in my life. Then friend, don't miss that this week. I, I, I don't care if you came with zero money. I don't, if, if you go over there and pick up, pick up a power team free, I don't care. Go pay for it, whatever it is. If you say, I can do it on my own, cool, just do the other tools. Just get going. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life. I'm so grateful that you let me pastor this sweet church. I'm beyond grateful. I can't believe y'all let me have this opportunity. I'm a spoiled and a blessed pastor, and I'm so grateful. So today, stand with me. So today, man, when you leave on this rainy Sunday, a beginning of fall, Man, it doesn't matter if your team won or lost yesterday. It doesn't matter the Falcons are gonna lose anyway. Man, I'm telling you, this one thing I know, when you let the Lord go before you, he will make your crooked path straight. Could anybody testify to that? I know he'll make my path straight. I know he will. How, how about you? Do you know that he will? Come on, do you know that he will? All I want you to do is walk out of here in this knowledge that he will go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Woo! I know this, when you let him go out there within you, he will bring you peace and power and direction in your life. You know why? Because you can live a contented life and do all things through him. Listen to me, friend. He is always good and you are always loved. I don't care how far, how far right or left you've gone. And when life just beats you up, man, listen, this is when the Savior kind of leans over and puts his hand on his knees and says, hop on. And you jump up and you put your arms around those big, broad shoulders of the Lord Jesus. And he says, it's going to be bumpy for a little while. Come on. And he takes you right through the middle of whatever junk you're going through. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the Lord Jesus turns around. He looks at you and he says, I know, but I can't. Hang on. And he sets you down victoriously on your two feet and wipes away your tears and kisses you on the forehead. And then he wraps his big loving arms around you. And he looks at you eyeball to eyeball. He says, don't forget this. Because my child, say it with me. I love you. God bless you. Go in peace. I need some golfers to come see me.